On Wednesday, September 1st, a special aired on 48 Hours called The Secrets of Chad Daybell's Backyard. Tammy and Chad Daybell's five children were featured on it, Emma, Mark, Leah, Seth, and Garth. They felt like it was time to stand up for their dad and say what they feel needs to be said. Emma says, my father needs someone to be a voice for him to let people know what's real, what we know. We're going to take a look at what they said and how it relates to the case. Now, a lot of the episode had a lot of stuff from the past. And they talked about Charles being shot by Alex. And it showed April Raymond talking about Lori and how she changed and was different before she met Chad. And also Vicia, who's Tylee's best friend. But we're going to talk more about the new segments with the Daybell family. Chad is charged in the deaths of JJ, Tylee, and Tammy. And he's also charged with insurance fraud with the life insurance of Tammy Daybell. Now, ultimately, the kids believe that Chad wasn't responsible for JJ and Tylee. And that he was framed for them. And from the sounds of it, they don't believe that Chad was responsible for Tammy's death. All five children were asked, did your father, Chad Daybell, play any role in killing JJ and Tylee? And all of them said no. When asked, how is it possible two children are found buried in your father's backyard and he had nothing to do with it? Emma says he was framed. And even with the evidence and circumstances and texts, they believe Chad was framed. And they said and know that their dad wouldn't do something like this. Mark Daybell says, it's just not possible. Anyone who says that my dad could kill a person doesn't know my dad. And then Jonathan Vigliotti, who was the interviewer for the kids, said, the evidence doesn't look good. Emma says, I think I would interpret it as many people have. But we have to remember that this is just one side of the story, and it does look really bad. Then she says, he was framed. This is his property. If there's bodies buried here, it would be attributed to him. And Jonathan says, who framed your father? Emma says, I think it's pretty clear it was Lori and Alex. Alex came and left for periods of time. We don't know what exactly he was doing. Now remember, Alex Cox was on Chad's property not once, but twice when JJ was buried and also when Tylee was buried. Tylee was buried first. Now on September 9th, Chad sent the raccoon text to Tammy in the morning at 11.53 a.m. And he said that he shot a raccoon in the backyard and it's now in the pet cemetery. Now at 10.57 a.m., Alex's phone pinged at the back of the Daybell's property. And then an hour later at 11.53 a.m., Chad texted Tammy. Now Tammy would be at work that day. It was a Monday. But investigators never found a raccoon. What they found instead was Tylee. And in the episode, they talked about Tylee being badly burned, but what they didn't mention, which I found was odd, was they didn't mention that she was dismembered. Someone burned her and dismembered her. And there was also reports of a bonfire on Chad's property. Here's the text again from Chad. Well, I've had an interesting morning. I feel I should burn all the limb debris by the fire pit before it got too soaked by the coming storms. While I did so, I spotted a big raccoon along the fence. I hurried and got my gun and he was still walking along. I got close enough that one shot did the trick. He is now in our pet cemetery, fun times. It's a pretty compelling text and the wording of limb debris and it just so happens to be that Tylee was dismembered and burning by the fire pit, and Tylee was burned. 
and a gun was mentioned, which at this point I'm going to guess that's what was used, because one shot did the trick, and now is in the pet cemetery. And lo and behold, all of them match up, not with a raccoon, but with 16-year-old Tylee Ryan. Tylee would have been turning 19 in just a few short weeks. Garth talked about the raccoon in the episode and said, well, the same day when I arrived home from work, he said, hey Garth, I got the raccoon we were looking for. We were having a raccoon problem, he says. We'd set out traps. The traps were too small, so the next best option was to shoot them. Here's what Detective Ron Ball states in court documents. I found the text suspicious because raccoons are normally nocturnal animals and are not regularly out during the day. It should be noted that from interviewing neighbors of Chad Daybell, we are aware that in mid-July of 2019, Garth Daybell, Chad's son, told their neighbors that Chad had shot a raccoon out of a tree on their property during the day. Garth told a neighbor about the raccoon in response to a question from a neighbor about hearing a gunshot. Neighbors informed me that the fire pit in the back of the Daybell property was hardly ever used until the last few months. What I also find interesting in the special is the talk of a second pet cemetery. Garth said, we had a new section of our pasture that we had designated for burying animals. Emma says they didn't go over to that section at all and search it. Garth says they didn't touch it at all during the search. Now, if we go back just before the kids were found, authorities talked to Tammy's sister, Samantha, and they asked her if she knew of a pet cemetery and where it was located in the yard. And Samantha was able to show authorities on a map where it was located because Tammy had shown her the pet uh, cemetery previously. And it says in documents, when asked the location of the pet cemetery on the Daybell property, she stated that it was east of the red barn and near the fire pit. She informed me that she was aware of the location of the pet cemetery on the Daybell property because Tammy had shown it to her. Samantha was then shown an aerial photograph of the Daybell property and she pointed to the same area near the fire pit where Alex Cox's phone pinged on September 9th, 2019. So that coincides with his text. And also in the show, they talked about shallow graves on site. And Chad's son, Seth, said he knew how to dig graves and that just doesn't sound believable to me. And Morgan Lowe was on and said, saying that somebody's prior experience as a grave digger means that they wouldn't just sloppily bury somebody in their own backyard sort of discounts all of the psychological pressure that might be affecting somebody who's trying to get rid of bodies which he makes a great point. Now, here's the description of Tylee's grave. She was buried six feet down and there was a layer of brick. Removing the brick, they found charred tissue and charred bones. JJ's grave. The police located a batch of ground that appeared to be disturbed and found a layer of rocks under the top layer of sod. They removed the rocks and found two pieces of flat paneling underneath which was a round object covered in black plastic. That was JJ's head. And JJ's face and hands and arms were bound with duct tape. Now Morgan Lowe says, why do you bind somebody's feet and hands and mouth in duct tape? You do it to keep them from yelling or talking. He says, these were real kids that had these horrendous things done to them. So now the kids, as I said, believe that their dad, Chad, was framed. And Emma said that it's obvious that he was framed. 
She said that without Lori, this would have never happened to the family. She said, none of this would have happened if Lori Vallow had never come into my family's life. I do know that my father believes that killing someone, murdering someone is not what God wants. But according to Chad Daybell and his rubric that he created, he believed in rating human beings as light or dark and people like Charles weren't really them anymore because they were inhabited by zombies or they turned into zombies. So did Tylee, so did JJ, and so did Tammy. And when they talked on the show about zombies and raiding people, Emma said, I don't know what to say, it just seems immature, but I don't know. Well, we do know that Chad has some immature tendencies. Garth says, he never said a thing to us about zombies. The first we ever heard of it was in a news report. And then they talked about cults. Emma says, I think if he was going to start a cult, we would be the prime members. And Garth says, he would have started with us. It just didn't happen. Jonathan says, so you don't believe that your father radicalized Lori? Emma shakes her head, no. And Leah says, we really don't know Lori or what she was thinking, but we do know our dad. Now, not everyone in the family feels the same way. Chad Daybell's sister-in-law, Heather, wrote an email and mentioned a family member. Here are some snippets. As I have had many long talks with my good husband concerning the horrible events that have transpired in our extended family, we have both felt we have been punched in the gut and kicked into the teeth. Only now as we are receiving professional counseling and working through this day by day, are we starting to feel like we can finally catch our breath and some days even smile. That maybe one day this won't consume so much of our energy and we can wake up in the morning with happier thoughts. I hope I never step my bounds and say things that could offend anyone concerning the situation. But because I have first-hand knowledge and know what the details have been for a while, I'm going to share some things that I should have been even more vocal about than I was the last several years. I'm not going to be vague and hope you get my message. I'm going to be direct and honest. Don't get me wrong. Had anyone told me even a few years ago that the tragedies that have unfolded the last year would have happened in my family, I would have never believed it. But here we are and it is our reality. I have racked my brain over and over wondering how it got this bad, how my relative could believe in ideas that go directly against the doctrines of our church and come to church each week as though all was well, that he could get others to believe those teachings and follow him, that those teachings could ultimately lead to the death of innocent people. My head still spins. How can we prevent being so deceived? And in another part of the email, it says, Sisters, I have questions. I have questions that I don't think will be answered anytime soon. I don't understand why a family member of mine has done what he has done. I don't understand why my husband and I were blamed and ostracized by our extended family in trying to warn and bring attention to the huge concerns we had about what was happening. I don't understand how we were so unbelievable and he was so believable. Beyond these questions, I have a lot of secondary questions that don't have answers. What I do know is that if I dwell on these things too long, it weakens my faith. I'm trying each day to focus on the truths I have come to know. I do know I have a Father in Heaven who is very aware of me and my family. I do know I have a Savior who is with me and helping me, even 
if I don't see it until after the fact. I do know Joseph is a prophet who helped restore the gospel of Jesus Christ, and President Nelson is my prophet today, leading us in a continuing restoration. We are not done receiving revelation from our God to his church on the earth through his living prophet. I have faith and believe President Nelson when he says the best is yet to come. Now, when it comes to Chad's response the day that they dug up the kids on June 9, 2020, Chad sat watching the whole thing. It says in documents, while officers were conducting their search, Chad Dable was observed by officers to be continuously watching where officers were searching. He was observed watching officers while sitting in his vehicle in his front driveway and while sitting in his vehicle across the street at his daughter's residence. And in an article it said, Daybell drove off from his daughter's property after investigators made their discovery at the first site of interest. Officers hopped in their cars to follow him and conducted a traffic stop and detained him due to the fact that human remains were discovered on his property. Now, Emma in the special said that her father started driving off because she was meeting his attorney. And that's when they learned the horrifying news. Emma says, when my dad left, they arrested him. Some police officers told me that they had discovered human remains on the property. I was standing in the doorway of the police car as he was hit, sitting inside, handcuffed, and the first thing he asked me was, do you know why they arrested me? And my thought was, how do you not know? And I was crying and I said, dad, they found human remains. And his face went white and his eyes went wide. He was shocked. Now, let's talk about right before Chad left to go meet with his attorney. He had a phone call from Lori as she was sitting in jail. And Chad talked about the investigators searching the property while it was happening and mentioned the kids in this phone call. And Lori wondered if she could talk to him later and he wasn't sure, saying, well, if I can, I will. So if he didn't know anything about the yard and he was framed, why say all the things he did on the phone call and why run as soon as the kids were found? Technically, he shouldn't know if he was framed, right? And then Jonathan says, when the bodies were found in your father's backyard after your father wasn't able to answer the simple question of where are the children, was that the moment where you questioned your father's innocence? Leah says, not my father. Mark says, it goes back to what we know about him as a man, as our father. Jonathan says, well, if he didn't kill him, then why were the bodies found buried in your father's backyard? Emma says, I don't know why they would be there, but I do know that if he were to commit a crime, he wouldn't be foolish enough to put the evidence in his own backyard. Jonathan says, well, when you spoke to your father, hearing the mounting criticism, the ongoing and growing manhunt for them, did you ever say to your father, just show the kids? Emma says, yeah. Jonathan says, and what did he say? Emma says, he said, we can't for their safety. Now remember, he also said that to Melanie Gibb on the phone, and so did Lori. Jonathan says, well, what were they afraid of? What was making JJ unsafe? Emma says, I don't know. Garth says, I don't know either. Jonathan says, you're telling me at no point here did you think, oh God, there's something bad going on here. We need to get to the bottom of this. And Leah says, we, of course, had those thoughts briefly, but it all came down to our trust in our father. We trusted him and he trusted Lori. I think that's really how it played out. Now, before the Daybell children found out about Tylee and JJ even being missing or knowing about Lori Vallow, 
their mom died. And not long before her death, Chad had upped her life insurance and it was described as substantially. He had told others that he knew Tammy was going to die and told Lori that Tammy was going to die. And on October 19th, 2019, Tammy died. And this is believed to be the second attempt on her life. As on October 12th, there was that attempt made uh, and a report made by a masked man who had a what it looked like a paintball gun, only it was said to have misfired. Now, Tammy died one month after Tylee and JJ died. When it comes to Tammy dying, their son Garth said, I was asleep and I heard a thump and heard my dad yell, Garth, Garth, come quick. I just ran over and picked her up and put her back on the bed. And I said to my dad, I said, I think she's dead. So they said that Tammy was half on the bed, half not. He says, my dad was just pacing back and forth, just saying, why, how could this happen? Pointing at pictures on the wall, saying she can't be dead. Like, how could this be? What do we do? Now, I don't know about you, but the comment about pointing to the wall on with pictures on the wall, like pointing to the pictures and she's right there. I, I just, I don't know what Chad was doing, but I find that a little sketchy in my opinion. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Now, Chad stated, and we've heard this before, that Tammy went to bed with a bad cough and when he woke up, Tammy lay beside him and passed away peacefully in her sleep. Her obituary also stated, Tamara Tammy Douglas Daybell passed away peacefully in her sleep on Saturday, October 19th, 2019 in Salem, Idaho. Now, Chad wrote and published an essay titled, moving into the second half of my life in the LDS Avow, which is another voice of warning, global initiative newsletter. He said, my dear wife Tammy passed away in her sleep early Saturday, October 19th. When I awoke at around 6 a.m., it was clear she had been gone for several hours. It came as a shock. I couldn't believe I hadn't been awakened somehow, but all indications are that her spirit simply slipped away during the night her face looked serene with her eyes closed and a slight smile. It was devastating to discover her that way, but I'm so grateful that her death was peaceful. Five days later after he wrote that, he married Lori. Now, Chad also said in a recorded conversation made by Melanie Gibb that Tammy hated doctors and her heart was failing her. Here's what he said. My own children were there. They testified that Tammy had been getting weaker and sick and I begged her to go to the doctor. Her heart was failing her. She was physically falling apart and she hates doctors and she just passed away. That's how it happened. My son Garth was right there with me the whole time. My kids were at the house within 20 minutes of her passing. There were two coroners. They checked her out right there on the bed. He says, I've been told for years that Tammy would pass away at a young age. I had no idea that Lori would even be a part of my life. I just knew that my life had two segments and I know Tammy's on a special mission and she's with my kids. She's visited them. There's so much, Melanie, that you just have to have faith and this is not some sort of master plan. Now, I'm curious, if Tammy hated doctors and didn't go to doctors, how would Chad know that her heart was failing her? Emma says, she would get out of breath very quickly and would get very tired and she started going to bed very early at night. 
and Tammy's side of the family just saw Tammy a few weeks before her death. And Chad insisted that she go and visit them, and even her sister said they were like little kids when Tammy came to visit. And in a different interview, Keith Morrison was interviewing Samantha, and he says, what did Chad say happened? And Samantha says that she'd been sick and had a coughing fit and passed away. Now, many friends of Tammy insisted that she was in great shape and was even training for a marathon in the weeks leading up to her death. One of her friends said she was into healthy living, very fit, and then all of a sudden we hear she has died. It didn't make sense then, and it doesn't make sense now. But initially, as most of you know, Tammy didn't have an autopsy. The family declined it. It wasn't until December that she was exhumed, a day before Alex Cox died. And after all the deaths and connections between Laurie and Chad. Emma said, the narrative is that he was going, no, 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 no autopsy, but he was standing there in complete shock, traumatized, letting us make the decision. If he was trying to hide something, I wouldn't leave something like that up to my kids if I was trying to hide something. Now I could see what she's saying, but at the same time, if he doesn't want the fingers pointed to him, then the argument could be that that's why he left it up to them or maybe suggested what to do. Could be. Also in the special, they said that Tammy died from asphyxiation. Mark said, asphyxiation doesn't necessarily mean smothered. According to my understanding, it just means the breath was interrupted and in the end, she wasn't able to breathe. And according to that, there's more facts we need. Garth says, they told me that she'd been asphyxiated. And Johnson says, what went on in your mind when you have police telling you your mother was asphyxiated? Garth says, it's a hard process, but I just still can't believe that he would do such a thing. Leah says, my dad loved my mom very, very much and she loved him. He could never do that. They also stated that they've been told things by the cops before and it turned out not to be true. Leah says, We've had several interactions with the police where they've told us things before that turned out to not be true. The question was asked, did it ever cross your mind even for a moment that your father killed your mother to clear the way so that he could marry Lori? All the siblings said no. Jonathan says, I think common sense in a lot of ways would suggest there could be a motive behind the sudden passing. Emma says, I can see where people would say that. It was a very socially inappropriate choice to make and socially inappropriate doesn't mean something bad happened though. But when it comes to Lori, even the kids admitted something was a little hard to explain. Garth says she just kind of appeared and roughly two weeks after Tammy's death, Chad, ukulele in hand, was celebrating on the beach, you know, with Lori, his new bride. Jonathan says, how did you process all of that? Emma says, that was really hard and it really surprised us and it was clear that he already had an emotional connection with her. Jonathan says, I know this is a difficult question, but was your father having an affair with Lori while he was married to your mother? Emma says, that depends on your definition of affair. Emotionally, I would say yes, but physically, I think my father thought he was in the right because I haven't had sex with her, so I'm being faithful. Just wait a minute. How would anyone know if Lori and Chad had sex or not, other than Lori and Chad? And before anyone goes into the comments and starts saying the Mormon religion this and the Mormon religious re religion that, I think we can all agree that Chad and Lori 
have gone way left field on the Mormon religion, and they did that a long time ago. So no holds barred, including murder, right? It also says you're not supposed to murder, and, you know, there's murder. Secondly, they held hands and kissed while going for walks at BYU, and let's not forget the butt taps that Chad made on surveillance camera in the storage unit. So I don't know about it just being emotional. Now, Chad lied to the kids and told them that he met Lori during a business trip and they just so happened to get married, even though he's known Lori in person for quite some time and even visited her. Now, the kids also said that they had no idea Lori had children either. Garth says, I first heard of her children when a detective came to my work and asked me about them. I have never heard of them before that point. And it was said that Chad told, I believe, Tammy's sister that she was an empty nester. So there's a lot going on there too. And like I mentioned, it was news to them when Chad got married. They never even heard Lori until they got married. And they never heard of the kids. So Colby never heard of Chad either. That was a secret as well. Colby says, I've never heard of Chad. I never heard of him. So obviously hearing that she was married to someone named Chad Daybell was another huge shock to me. And Chad's been lying throughout this whole investigation and to his family. He lied about knowing Lori and her phone number to the authorities. He asked others to lie, namely Melanie Gibb. And in my opinion, he's lied to his children. He lied to Tammy about messing around with Lori. Obviously, that was a big secret. And he also lied to Tammy where he's been. He's going to BYU to write his book. But where's his book? Unless you call the dark and light rubric part of his book. And Lori and Chad were so close and had such a close relationship that they married two weeks after Tammy died. And of course, it makes sense when you put it together that the wedding rings were purchased and the attire was purchased two weeks before Tammy died. So there was a plan in place. And you can't get married with one person. There has to be two. And then, of course, the increase in the insurance money on Tammy's life insurance that he upped right before she died, plus a previous attempt made on her life. And then don't forget Lori's history of people dying and collecting on their deaths. You can't ignore it. And for somebody who has a history of being a grave digger, he probably was quite quick if he needed to dig a grave. You also can't deny the raccoon text to Tammy or the phone conversation to Lori the day they dug up the children. And you can't deny the fact that Chad created the dark and light rubric, which just happens to be similar to a hit list since the people on the list were getting killed off and being called zombies. And what do you do with the zombie? You kill them. And then they collect money all the while playing a ukulele in the beach celebrating. And you also can't ignore the fact that Chad Daybell sat and watched those kids being dug up till the very last second, and then he made a run for it. Never knew what was going on and was framed? Nah. Let me know your thoughts below. What do you think? Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Please like and please share this out. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon. A lot of the F... The episode.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.